My name is Juliet Andrian. I will be reading Laura Cowton's words. She does fabulous storytelling in the first person. So if it sounds like I'm stumbling over telling my own story, that's what this is about. Laura is staying home today out of an abundance of caution on BC Health Guidelines, but will be joining us again probably next week. Well, the first five days of the year seemed to go fairly smoothly. I had a whole other sermon in mind and was going to start with a funny story about an embarrassing karaoke moment when I realized that I had always sung the wrong lyrics to Bad Moon Rising to illustrate getting something completely wrong. Well, another story exploded on Wednesday, which rewrote the rest of the week and this sermon. I watched in shock and dismay as white supremacist extremists broke into the U.S. Capitol building fueled by inflammatory lies from a sitting president who calls these looters and murderers patriots rather than seditionists, assuring them of his enduring love and gratitude. Never before has a modern democracy seen such a blatant and disgusting assault on its core institutions. The media was quick to contrast this scene in D.C. where armed white Confederate flag-carrying rioters who breached the security of the Senate building were able to take smiling selfies of themselves with D.C. police officers rather than being tear-gassed and clubbed like the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters were last summer. I was supposed to be in D.C. Yep. This time last year, I was waiting for my visa to be processed to let me begin serving the UU congregation in Fairfax, Virginia. So while watching with compassion and horror for my colleagues and our siblings in faith in the DC area, I am also counting my lucky stars to be here with you right now. But there were also pro-Trump rallies across Canada a photojournalist was even assaulted here in Vancouver. The alt-right extremist group called Proud Boys is led by a Canadian, Gavin McInnes, and has active members across Canada. The NDP is asking to add them to the list of terrorist organizations. Extremists exist everywhere, and by definition, on the far ends of both sides of an issue or idea or belief, People become so thoroughly entrenched in their position that they cannot consider any other view. We can find evidence to support pretty much any hypothesis if we look hard enough and willfully ignore anything that doesn't support it. But what happens when you find out you are wrong? When someone who believes COVID-19 is a conspiracy, a hoax, then contracts it themselves and is responsible for passing it on to loved ones, who then die of the virus, can they continue to hold their convictions in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary? This came across my Facebook feed. How sad it must be believing that scientists, scholars, historians, economists, and journalists have devoted their entire lives to deceiving you while a reality TV star with decades of fraud and exhaustively documented lying is your only beacon of truth and honesty. Unitarian Universalists endeavor to uphold a set of principles, 
one of which is the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process. The Trump supporters who broke into the Capitol building and rioted in DC last week believe they are fighting for democracy, believing lies that twist their perception of reality, so sure of themselves and their positions. It seems quite a reach to compare anything with that kind of extremism, especially this week when the threat of further violence remains. But I want to talk about Unitarian Universalism and another one of our principles, the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. So many of our members have come to this faith from another religion or from no faith tradition at all, and through searching and questioning, traveled a path to the welcoming inclusivity here that invites people to bring their theologies and identities. We have Buddhist UUs, Christian UUs, pagan UUs, humanist and atheist UUs. Room for all in the same tent, right? But have you ever noticed that for all our proclaimed openness and welcoming, that we can also be very certain about our own opinions and even downright judgmental of others if they don't support certain social justice initiatives or a particular political or economical viewpoint or, God forbid, belief in God or God or goddess. Nancy MacDonald Ladd wrote, what has always bothered me about us righteous do-gooders with open minds and warm hearts and helping hands is this, we can be so utterly and damnably sure of ourselves. I have nothing against opinions. I've been known to hold strong ones myself. It just makes me pause to think that, well, we are such a tiny minority, roughly 3% of the whole landscape of religions. Do we really hold the rights to the moral or ethical or theological high ground, the secret to all truth and meaning? On the cover of this week's order of service is a comic. Charlie Brown approaches Snoopy, who is perched atop his doghouse, clacking away at his latest composition. I hear you're writing a book about theology, Charlie Brown says. I hope you have a good title. I have a perfect title, comments Snoopy in his perennial thought bubble. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? Ours is a tradition that prides itself on asking more questions than it answers, encouraging people to search for truth and meaning through reflection, engagement, exploration, using their own reasoning and experience to guide their path. We recognize that our own beliefs and theological frameworks will change over time, and they should, as we grow and learn. We profess to want a diversity of viewpoints of theologies and perspectives, we actually believe this diversity to be essential to our community and even to the larger community. Theologically, we need these differences, not to wish everyone would be just like us, but to stand with deep humility in the center of all our self-assuredness and imagine that we might be wrong. That while my truth is right for me at this moment, other truths are equally as valid and worthwhile and that I will make room for them, even if I don't agree or understand. We are incomplete beings, continually growing and learning and evolving and seeking as long as we live. This is the core of what makes us human. Being open to another perspective, having more empathy and less certainty, this is what keeps us on our path of developing. Nancy Ladd says, 
None of us is in possession of all the wisdom we will need to survive. We are, all of us, so desperately in need of each other's empathy and compassion that the absence of it could be our undoing. Blessed be. When I am frightened, will you reassure me? When I'm uncertain, will you hold my hand? Will you be strong for me, sing to me quietly? Will you share some of your stories with me? show me compassion, then I may learn to care as you do, then I may learn to care. When I am troubled, will you listen to me? When I am Thank you, Elliot. And thank you for taking the extra time to come in and record vocals separately to keep us all safe. And the crew that shows up here with the live streaming, it is truly a blessing to have this ability to reach people at home. Intellectual humility. How do we know when we are wrong? 
Aside from the obvious mistakes we make, like running a red light or hitting send on an email before it was ready, and how comfortable are we to admit when we are wrong? It is a cultural issue that people are reluctant to admit mistakes, that there is more value assigned to getting things right. But the truth is that without failures and mistakes, nothing would ever advance. So how can we create a culture that rewards the admission of failures? In recent years, one high-profile effort to retest 100 psychological experiments found only 40% replicated with more rigorous methods. It's been a painful period for social scientists who've had to deal with failed replications of classic studies and realize their research practices are often weak. Julia Rohrer, a personality psychologist at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development, is trying to get her peers to publicly, willingly admit it when they are wrong. Rohrer is studying what she describes as a crucial tool for learning in an increasingly interconnected and complicated world. Intellectual humility. Defined as simply the recognition that the things you believe in might in fact be wrong. And being open to learning from the experience of others. This isn't as easy as it may sound. It requires the ability to let go of our own certainty and to be actively curious about our blind spots. But how can we see our blind spots? By definition, they are hidden from us. It is a practice of letting our confidence slip a little and exploring all angles, like taking a scientific hypothesis and attempting to disprove all other theories before accepting the conclusion. Intellectually humble people are more open to hearing opposing views, actively seeking out differing opinions or data, and are therefore better equipped to discern fake news stories from real ones. They're also more likely to recognize when they are wrong and be able to openly admit it with humility and perspective to learning, growth, and relationship building. We are all very sure of our own worldviews, partly because we experience the world uniquely Studies have shown that we receive different signals about colors, images, sounds, taste, and smells, so that when we describe a thing, someone else may describe it differently, and both are correct. Much as we might tell ourselves our experience of the world is the truth, our reality will always be an interpretation. Believing ours is the only true interpretation of reality is naive and leads to extreme and even dangerous viewpoints. Not only are our interpretations of the world often arbitrary, but we're often overconfident in them. Our ignorance is invisible to us, says David Dunning, an expert on human blind spots. Not knowing the scope of your own ignorance is part of the human condition. But the problem with it is we see it in other people and we don't see it in ourselves. These hate-filled, confederate, flag-waving insurrectionists truly believe they are fighting for freedom from tyranny and cannot see their own actions as wrong. They have been misled and goaded into actions that undermine, threaten to destroy the very principles that they say they are safeguarding. How will it feel if they ever wake up to the reality that the election was a fair and clear democratic process? How can one 
reconcile the damage they have caused to something they proclaim to hold so dear. Michael Lynch, a University of Connecticut philosophy professor, argues that for a democracy to flourish, flourish we need a balance between convictions, our firmly held beliefs, and humility. We need convictions because an apathetic electorate is no electorate at all, he says. And we need humility because we need to listen to one another. These, those two things will always be in tension. How do we know if we are wrong? By exploring and examining our firmly held beliefs from all angles and also those of others. Being open to questioning, open to criticism, open to letting go and accepting an alternate view if it makes sense, allowing ourselves to admit with humility we are human. As technology makes it easier to lie and spread false information incredibly quickly, we need intellectually humble, curious people. This is all to say intellectual humility isn't easy, but damn, it's a virtue worth striving for and failing for in this new year. Amen. <laughs>